Xavier, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt. Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement. They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know. Welcome back to Stuff About Money. I'm Xavier Angel, and I'm joined with my co-host, Eric Garcia, and we are your certified financial planners. Man, it is a great day outside today, Eric, after the uh, weather we had over the past 24 hours. It's a little chilly. I'm loving it. Chilly, chilly. but clear skies. Clear skies. It's It's great outside. It's crispy outside. You don't like the crisp weather? No, it's, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. It's okay. It it, it brings it brings us into that time of the year, the, yeah. the Christmas holiday. I, I feel you. I feel you. I like 72. I like beach weather, but I'll, I'll take the cold. I miss the snow. Give me some snow and I would be great. Nope. Nope. No snow here. So what are we talking about today? Are we talking about money today, Xavier? We are talking about money, but in okay. a different aspect of what we normally do. So okay. we've got a great topic. We've got mm-hmm. two great um, guests with us. So we're going to be discussing how did the fear of money lead to changing or not changing your career, mm, and okay. and how do you see yeah. right, and how do you see it impacting others' decisions to make job changes? Awesome. Well, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's an interesting topic, and in fact, the topic actually came up out of a conversation with our two guests. Let me go ahead and introduce Allie and Jody real quick, and then I will I'll kind of um, contextualize the the content for today. So. Uh, let me start with Allie or Alexandra. Allie or Alexandra? Oh my gosh. Just go with Allie. If so I have to good. call you Alexandra, I'm in trouble. All right. So Allie, Allie is both Allie and Jody are they're both former educators. And Allie um, is a project manager now and the host of the Great Teacher Resignation podcast. She's a Navy spouse of 12 years and an active volunteer in her community. Um, with military and veteran nonprofits. And Allie was named the 2022 NASJRB New Orleans Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year. That's a mouthful. Congratulations, Allie. Congratulations. Thank you. Great job doing that, Eric, too. Was that, I, it is a mouthful. That's everything right? Okay. Other than Alexandra? Okay, cool. And then we have Jody. And Jody, oh my gosh, here it is. All right. So Jody is the founder and CEO of Paper Planes. Um, Ed and the co-host of The Great Teacher Resignation. So if you put two and two together, Allie and Jody are co-hosts of a podcast. Uh, but before establishing her consulting company, Jody left teaching after 13 years, but the decision was not secured without careful financial planning. So context. Allie is a neighbor. We've gotten to know each other over the past um, few years. In conversations, she... Uh, Found out that I had a podcast. She didn't launch a podcast because I had one, but we had a lot of conversations about podcasting. So her and Jody are both former educators and launched the podcast really to address, I would say, it seems like a crisis in our country where you have a lot of teachers that are leaving the education space. And there's a lot of, I would say, um, 
maybe insecurity with, with teachers making that decision to leave teaching something that's very stable, something that's very consistent, quite frankly, a very noble profession, um, leaving that profession going into something else. So that that's the context of their podcast. And several months ago, they asked me to be a guest in their podcast. And we discussed teacher salary and benefits. And we ended up talking a lot about financial planning and the emotions behind making money decisions. And apparently, it resonated with your listeners. And we collaborated over the past couple of weeks to bring a couple other shows for your listeners, which it seemed like that's what they wanted to hear. So we actually just got through recording a podcast on y'all's feed. It's called The the Great Teacher Resignation. So for those of you who are teachers or know a teacher, I highly recommend you go listen to it. You can get it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, The Great Teacher Resignation. We talked about what is financial planning? How does someone know when to hire or engage a financial planner? What are some questions to ask a financial planner when trying to make a big financial decision, i.e. a career change? And in this podcast, we want to talk about financial literacy and how how that can impact your ability to make a big financial decision. Jody, in your intro, you said that you made a decision without or your decision was after careful financial planning. So um, in conversations, Xavier and I just really want to hear how y'all came about to make your your decisions to leave teaching. And I think this is applicable to anybody who is considering making a mm-hmm. career change. So um, Xavier, go ahead. And if you want to lead into our first question here for conversation. Absolutely. And and this is actually, this topic brings back memories because I'm one of those ones that made a career choice. Uh, uh, to change and and decide to come into the financial services industry. And it wasn't an easy choice. Um, there were several areas that I had to take a look at. So the first question is, um, you know, how did fear of money either lead to you changing or not changing careers? Um, and And what are you guys expecting? Or what are some of the decisions that you looked at in making your career change? We go with you, Allie. You can start off, lead us off. Yeah, so that's a pretty loaded question. Um, How did the fear of money lead to changing or not changing careers? I would say that I was fortunate early on in my career um, to decide to tackle my student debt. And so probably into year three of teaching, I had my husband and I together had paid off all of my student loans. Um, It was right around the time that we welcomed our first child. And that was just a a goal of ours was to just to get that done. And I can say without a doubt that it would have been very difficult for me to feel comfortable leaving my job as an educator if I had still had a significant amount of student loan debt. Um, And so not having that debt and being in a position where we were essentially debt, we were debt free helped me so much to feel more confident to leave teaching because at least that was one variable that we didn't have to worry about. And I would say that that fear is real for so many educators because a lot of us do end up taking out student loans and I could see that greatly impacting someone's decision. I'd say the other thing is that my husband and I had worked really as a team through that process. So Having that type of a discussion with him about whether or not I should leave my pretty stable career as an educator, um, we'd had tough talks before. You know, we had to make cuts financially to to reach 
short-term goals and I guess essentially what ended up becoming long-term goals um, to have that flexibility. I will also underscore that I'm a military spouse and because of my husband's career, there have been times where I just essentially have not been able to work. So we moved overseas um, really soon after the student loan debt payment happened. And it was such a relief to just, I I couldn't work initially when we moved overseas. Um, so we've just been in a, a different predicament, I think, than probably most um, most families in the U.S. But I would say the biggest thing for me was was the student loan debt and not having that as something that prohibited me from making a career change. I like how I like how you talked about um, you and your husband yeah. working as a team. Um, all too often, you see mm-hmm. uh, in, in a marriage relationship where people are working independently, like my money, your money. I'm making decisions with my money. You're making decisions with your money, and it's almost like if we started a business together, right? It, we would want to we would want to make sure that we're we're using the money that we bring to the table to to move our business forward, right? We were going to discuss our marketing initiatives and how we should spend our money. That makes sense. Everyone said, yeah, that makes sense. But too often in marriages, you don't see that always. So the fact that you, you were a team and you had support, I think is huge to have that, um, that thought partner in, in making, um, in making that decision. And, and tell me, let's go back to paying off your student loan debt. Could you have left teaching? What would have been like if you didn't pay it off and you left teaching? I think I would have felt too guilty to leave teaching. I would have felt like I, well, to leave teaching to not necessarily know where I was going to go next. You know, I think maybe if I'd had a job lined up, but, you know, we hear stories from people who've transitioned out of teaching and sometimes you don't have that next job lined up. Right. And so I think for me, you know, you have kind of like the summer as a buffer and then hopefully you land something by the fall. For me personally, like, I kind of felt like that was my responsibility. I took on that debt. I didn't know my husband at the time. And I think it would have been really hard for me to to leave without having a job. I I think as long as I had employment, I would have still been able to do it. But that would have been a that would have been essential for me in that situation. And it sounds like, you know, working and having those finances together, one of the things that that you guys were able to have a conversation prior to to making that decision was understanding. You know, not only the benefits that that you guys currently had and would have, but also from an income standpoint, you guys understood what income and and how you were getting paid. So I, I gotta imagine that played a big part in your decision as well. Absolutely. I I know there are some families where the educator is the breadwinner, and that is a, a much different conversation. Um, but my husband he's an officer in the military, his income has always been substantially higher than mine. Um, And so I think understanding that my income was secondary in our finances definitely, um, you know, helped understand where we were financially. And that as long as I could maintain a similar income to what I had had, that we would still be in a good place. Um, Having lived off of only one income for some time, also understood what limitations we'd have. Um, if we stayed a single income family, because I know some people want to do that. And that is uh, admirable if you want to have one parent who is home, uh, who's home or a partner who's home. Um, and for us, we just ultimately decided that while we could do that and we had to do that sometimes that we, the life that we wanted, we really needed to be a dual income family. Hmm. So, you know, you bring up a couple of good things there. And I always say personal finance is personal. And your situation was your husband was an officer. So there was some stability. So the the the, the factors that went into your decision 
might be dramatically different than someone else's decision. So personal finance is is personal. So Jody, how about you? How about you had the, the fear uh, of money lead to changing or not changing your career? And kind of what went into that process? Yeah. So I, I've learned a lot from you, Eric, about how how to conceptualize or understand my financial situation and and looking back on it when I was making that decision. So one, I did have a thought partner. So just putting out there that all of our decisions about finances are personal because we all look a little bit differently. I had a dual income household and my income at the point that I was leaving 13 years into teaching, my income was the secondary income. My, as I thinking of the beginning of my career, I was making more than my husband. And then as the years went on, the leaps he made were so much bigger than what I was making in the teaching career that by the time I left, he was making a good enough salary and I was making a good enough salary that we could plan ahead and not have so much fear. Because as I mentioned in our original podcast with you was that I grew up with a lot of money fear. And so all of the career transition thoughts that I had, the fear was money because I didn't want to compromise our lifestyle. I didn't want to compromise the things we offered our daughter and the future that we wanted for our daughter. And so um, having someone that I could plan with, a partner that could very talk to me and talk about our finances in a healthy way was the most essential thing that could have happened in that situation that we were setting myself up to look for jobs while sustaining our lifestyle, making a few cuts here and there, but um, knowing how many months I had to be able to make that decision and secure a job and not be afraid that I've made a terrible choice because it ended up being one of the best choices I have made. And it was uh, all like I have to owe a lot of credit to the fact that I was able to have a partner, a thought partner in that process. Yeah. So, so that, that support. So what was, if you could say one, the, the one biggest fear you talked about being able to provide the same lifestyle, having enough, you know, emergency money, if it didn't work out well, like what was it? If there's one fear that you could sum it up, like this was, if this came to fruition, I would have felt bad. I, it was definitely where we live, where we li- we moved, where we moved to provide our daughter the educational opportunity that she is getting right now. And if we were to have a significant change financially, it would mean we would have to leave. And that would impact her life and the community that she has as an only child. And so uh, it was the fear of having a trauma that my daughter would have to endure because of my choice. Mm. So Jody, in what you just said, it sounds like um, being financial or having financial literacy and, and having knowledge of how things work and having the proper thought partners involved in it, that helped you to make the decision to make that career choice. So how do you see it impacting others' um, choices? I think financial Having that financial literacy. Yeah, I think it impacts everyone. I, I personally, as someone who taught math in school, financial literacy is one of the biggest gaps in education. And so when we think about traditional schooling, 
we are taught how to add money, subtract money, multiply, put it, put it in an equation and pick an answer from multiple choice. Okay. All of the resolutions are there for you. And so when we think about our lives and how things uh, change and how we're all different, there is no multiple choice for that. (laughs) We are all so very different. And financial literacy impacts that even deeper because our household incomes are different. Our jobs are different. The way we grew up with money is different. And so from uh, just an educational standpoint, there's a huge gap. And it impacts everyone, no matter if you are low socioeconomically or you have a high socioeconomic income, there is a level of literacy for everybody. You just said, you just said a lot right there. So a a lot in a a good sense. Um, (laughs) Life is not multiple choice. I love that. It's it's not in a box. Um, I couldn't tell if you're laughing. <laughs> you thought it was funny, or if you were like, "This is real." <laughs> no, like I, I, I'm like, preach, sister. You, I mean, I like what you're saying. I'm about to give you're about to get a side hustle over here. Um, we're gonna make you. We're gonna make you the host of the stuff about money podcast. Now, I love what you said. Uh, first, I appreciate that you're a math teacher. My wife's a math teacher, so um, in fact, if you look at our podcast logo, there's an equation there. It's for the the future value of money. So it's kind of kind of geeky, but um, financial literacy. Uh, I think you, I think you kind of summed it up well. Is what do we always say? Knowledge is power. And maybe knowledge, maybe the application of knowledge is power. But but knowing something, right? GI Joe. Any GI Joe fans? Right? N- knowledge is knowing is half the battle. Is that what it was? The end of every GI Joe episode. Knowing That's is half it. the battle. Right. So literacy is half the battle. I don't even have to apply that knowledge, but understanding money is uh oh my gosh it's so important it's understanding just the simple like how money we take it for granted i think sometimes like it's money you 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 make it you spend it no it's not that complicated right you know i need more money i got a credit card that doesn't work it doesn't work like that you got you got to pay that stuff back even children like i look at the way that my daughter looks at money she definitely takes it for granted. She's just like, just swipe it or Apple Pay or, you know, there's no, there's no con- deeper concept of that. So we're working on that. <laughs> I had a, a friend's daughter once, um, I forget the exact context, but she gave someone like, like a $20 bill and she's like, what's their turn with it? Like, <laughs> what do you mean it's their, it's their turn with it. Um, but yeah, so it's a basic understanding of, of money, but how, how did understanding, cause you just described your decision process and leaving you know, your the teaching career, you kind of started, I would say, with a level of competency when it when it deals with money. But a lot of people are are walking, they don't even know they don't you you knew the questions to ask to some degree. My husband knew the questions to ask. I will say that. I have to give him credit. He was not a financial advisor and planner at that time, but he is now. <laughs> and it was because he was he had a high level of financial literacy growing up. With ah, his, okay. even his grandmother was like a pioneering stockbroker, you know. So, <laughs> um, I did not grow up with that same level of literacy within my schooling or my household. And so, through my partnership with him, at, from you know when I met him in college, he has taught me. He has been my teacher in so many ways to help me understand and help me ask him questions with not being a, not being afraid because talking about money growing up was hard it was it was fought about a lot and so like i had this uh, you know 
post-trauma that I would feel talking about until he helped me realize there were healthy ways. And so I did have someone that was willing to listen to my questions. And even if I thought they were silly or or naive, he did not treat it as a silly or naive question. He used it as an opportunity to educate me and then help me decide which, which other questions to ask. Yeah. And let me, let me make a point here really quick to, to all of our listeners. The purpose of becoming financially literate is not to become a financial expert. It's not, in, in your case, Jody, it's not that you eventually become a financial planner or financial advisor. It's almost, it's almost like saying, you know, true story, my shoulder's been hurting, right? So like I'm, I'm moving it and it's hurting in, in certain places. And I asked a friend who's a physical therapist and I went online and I'm researching it. So I'm diagnosing myself, right? So it's almost like saying the point of me researching why my shoulder hurts is for me to become an orthopedic. That's not the point. The point is that I can be better, better literate in you know the mechanics, what's what's happening in my shoulder, so I can make a better decision of man, do I really need to go to a doctor? Do I not need to go to a doctor? You know, do I need to take it? Do I need to take it easy? Should I be eating better? Right. So now I have questions that when I do go to the doctor. I can ask those questions, right? Hey, doc, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seeing this, and this is how it feels. Like, what do you think I should? Do? So, the point of becoming financial literate is not to become an expert. It's not to become an expert. Um, so, Jody and Allie, I've got a question for both of you guys, um, and I'm going to start by, you know, Jody, you mentioned a couple things in your com- what you were just telling us about having that fear uh, to discuss finances. And all too often, I hear that people people are afraid to, to reach out to talk to someone or have the conversation within their family. What was it for both of you guys? And Jody, we, we know a little bit about your situation. Um, so let's start with Allie. How, how did you go out and find someone to be that thought, process, uh, that thought partner um, to discuss finances with you, to ask those questions on where should we begin and build that financial literacy? So I guess financial literacy for me is kind of broad in the sense that I feel like I've always gravitated to wanting to know more about financial literacy. Even when I was like in college, I wanted to know more about it. And so I was reading books um, and I was not an expert by any means, but I just really understood kind of what things would happen in my life, like that I should have a retirement of some kind and that I would want to save if I wanted to get a new car or to buy a house. and honestly, becoming a teacher made me hyper aware of the fact that I would have limited amount of money to do that because teachers, especially in Florida, when I started teaching, did not make a lot of money. The starting salary was under $40,000. So, um, you know, really being aware of that saving was going to be my best friend because I didn't have a huge income. Like it's not how much you make, it's how much you save and how you plan. So that was just, that's just like my background. And I, I, I grew up in a pretty affluent area um, and I saw my parents go through difficult times. So I was also really cognizant of money and I, I didn't want to end up um, in a, di- you know, a difficult financial position. I will say that a lot of that changed when I met my husband. He is very similar to Jody's husband and his background of having strong financial literacy, um, growing up in a, you know, a family with different background than mine, for example. And so we kind of had discussions. But because our backgrounds were so different and I had such a different perspective, like I didn't want to have debt and he was okay with having some debt, you know, basic things like that, that we had to really kind of come to the table 
and talk about really like planning, like Eric, Eric alluded to planning, like what do we want our life to look like? And also understanding that our life was not like most of our friends, because there would be times where I might not be able to be employed or different things like that because of his career in the military. So what we ended up doing was he had a financial advisor who like I'd never met who handled like most of the investments for his family. And honestly, that didn't make me feel comfortable because I'm like, do you have my best interest at heart here? Like, are you just more focused on that family? And so I'm also, I like face-to-face. I like meeting people. I think it's really important that you have a good relationship with whoever you're working with. And so we sought out our own financial advisor for just the two of us. And that was really helpful. And, you know, our beginning financial like literacy together as a couple was great. But truthfully, like, as we look back, we're like, he probably wasn't the best person for us. And so we've learned, honestly, through doing, that's how a lot of how I learn is through doing what I'm looking for in a thought partner. So what am I looking for if I'm going to have a financial advisor? Or what am I looking for when we have our financial conversations, just because we do kind of sit on different ends of the table? Um, So like, how am I going to approach this issue? And like, Sometimes I will think about things even before I go to him because I want to make sure that I'm like Eric said, like I've done my research, right? I I've looked up some of the things because we might not even agree. Um, but I think it's really important to kind of acknowledge like where you're starting from with financial literacy. And that's that we don't always start off at an equal playing field. And so there are some disparities and we can definitely make them up. And I think surrounding ourselves with people that um, have that level of financial literacy is has really been key for me personally. All right, all right. So there's a lot of good stuff in there, but here's what I want to do. Um, you're talking about that we all start off at different places, and I think it's really important to to acknowledge that we're not financial experts. So number one, when when you're trying to up your your financial knowledge game. It's no, no, no shame. No question. It's a bad question. Okay. The beautiful thing about Google these days is you can learn a lot of information really quickly without anyone ever knowing that you asked that question. Um, but the internet gives us, there's a lot of noise on the internet. There's a lot of, there's a lot of information and data, but how it applies to our individual situation, you know, is, you know, the advice that you can get online is, is kind of squirrely. And I hope you're not getting it from TikTok or Instagram. So we all start off at different places. So here's a question for each of you. Um, if if you could go back to school, what's one thing about money you wish that they would have taught you? Right. So now you have all this experience behind you. Like, God, if only they would have taught me this in school, it might have made something a little bit easier for me. So Jody, we'll go with you first. Okay. First, I want to say what was the easiest part? The easiest part was counting the money. Okay. (laughs) That's the easiest part. Counting it, making it, that was the easiest part. I wish I would have learned how to talk about it in a healthy way, what questions to ask. That would have been what I, like even just early schooling, like if we're talking about word problems, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the impact of this decision that's being, this financial decision that's being made. So that would be my- Give me a little bit more context on that. Yeah. So just growing up, talking about money was scary. It was a fight between my parents. Okay. Okay. And I'm talking about like, as a teacher, I had children coming into my classroom all the time, crying, upset because their parents had been in a fight that morning. 
And do you know what it was always about? Money. Money. Yeah. Okay. So I saw the impact, the, the trauma that I had as a kid mm. filtering into my classroom and seeing that it was not just me as a child. It's a lot of people. And so I did not learn through schooling. How do we talk about money? We're not just yeah, okay. doing equations and problem solving. How do we talk about it so, to make so our maybe, lives feel better? So maybe as part of that, also maybe taking away the stigma that, hey, guys, money isn't necessarily bad. There is a healthy way to discuss it. So that's what yeah. you're talking about. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. I like that. Well, you're the first person who's given that answer. I appreciate that. <laughs> All that's right. Good. Allie, what about you? I feel like that's a really difficult question to answer, but I'm, I'm giving it my best shot. So um, I guess one thing I wish that I knew back when I was in school about money, um, honestly, is just that money, just kind of like life really isn't fair or equal. I think um, where I grew up, it was a pretty affluent area. And because of, you know, the way public schools are, I went to a great public school, but like everybody was kind of like me. And I always thought that my life would look like what it looked like growing up. Um, and I just think knowing that people are not just like what we see growing up as kids, like I think educating us on the diversity of people, backgrounds, money, that that would have helped me a lot. I had this really unrealistic expectation of what my life was going to be like. And I know it's not exactly like, personal finance. But I think the place that I grew up, like I had a financial literacy type class. Like I learned how mm -hmm. to write checks in my kind of like home ec book and balance a checkbook and learned about savings accounts. And, you know, that was the, that was the place that I grew up, uh, Palm Beach County, Florida, but the rest of the world is not like that. And so just understanding like a more global interpretation, I guess, of, of money. And that's something I actually really brought into my classroom like there's a really great documentary and I, I'm probably not going to say it right, but it's like living on a dollar. Um, and it, it goes into, mm -hmm. yep. uh, it's a great like documentary. I think you find it on Amazon, but like bringing that to my students and having them understand that in other countries that we just are not, it's not the same as it's here in the U S and I don't know, for me, I, I think that I just had an unrealistic view of yeah. finance and money and it hurt me in the so, long so run. So having having a more realistic view would have maybe properly set some expectations, and it wouldn't have been as painful or as difficult at some time. Yeah, and I think it goes into even like adulthood of like keeping up with the Joneses. You know, yeah. I mean, that can build really bad habits, and um, you know, having unrealistic expectations. Okay, that's good. Both of y'all gave two answers that we've never heard before. Those, I like that. Those were some teacher answers. I'm, I just have to put it out there. Those were some definite teacher responses. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. And I respect that. All right. I'm going to wrap up here. Oh, Xavier, you got some, I, I can see something coming out of your mouth. Something wise, make it, make it worth it. What is it? <laughs> Allie, is there a book that you would suggest to individuals who are looking to learn about financial literacy? If, if not, I know Eric has one. So I'm going to go spot, to Eric because I get this spot. question often. What book do you suggest we read? Honestly, Eric, I'm going to throw it over to you. Give us Yeah, a I, I would go to Eric because Eric knows I'm a, a reformed, uh, I'm, a, I'm a prior Dave Ramsey person. Uh, and and that's a, that, that's a whole nother conversation. 
that I think I'm, you probably want to cut that. Just, I'm going to pass it over to Eric to recommend. Oh my, you know, I have, I met with someone this morning. I met with someone this morning and I apparently, they listened to my podcast, Four Reasons Why I Disagree with Dave Ramsey's Investment Advice. And I apparently, um, I apparently wrecked their relationship with Dave Ramsey. So you helped, you started, not help, but you started my, and I, like, realistically, I think that there's probably so many books. Um, the what is it? The neighbor next door. That's millionaire next door. Millionaire that millionaire next Fantastic door. That would be book. that would be my okay. book recommendation. And yep. I really think yeah. that to me highlighted that the people that we see that drive all these fancy cars, like they might not be the millionaires. The They're millionaires not. are driving That's like right. the Hondas and the Toyotas, mm-hmm. and and so I think millionaire next door would definitely be my That's recommendation. Or just just y'all just subscribe and to that, the that, stuff about money podcast. There you go. But that was a great that was a great answer. I thank you. Thank you for that one. All right. I'm gonna wrap it up here in a minute. And, and what I did was I've been making notes during this whole conversation. So this idea is about career change and the fear of making career change and and financial literacy helping, you know, alleviate fears when you're making decisions. So I I've, I jotted down five things that if you're thinking about making a career change, whether you're a teacher or something else, that you should consider. So one is debt. That the Allie talked about that, making a decision like if I leave my stable job. Do I have debt that I have to continue to pay and how am I going to pay it? Number two, have a conversation with all the stakeholders. You know, If you're married, that's obviously your spouse. If it's going to impact your kids, um, have a conversation about the impacts. What could go wrong? Are all the stakeholders you know, in concert to support along that way? Number three, the stability of income. You got to make a decision of, you know, if I'm leaving a stable income to something that's unstable, how am I going to support myself during that instability. It could be because I have a spouse who makes stable money, but you have to consider that. So the fifth thing is values and lifestyles. Uh, Jody, you talked about, I want to make sure that my daughter has the ability to maintain the the, the resources that she has. Uh, that has to go into that decision-making process, whether it causes you to leave or causes you to ultimately stay. It's something to have to consider. And then finally, savings. Obviously, more savings. Savings gives you freedom. If you have cash, it gives you freedom. So those are five areas to where you can really up your knowledge, learn about debt and the dangers of debt, learn about relationships. How do I have healthy conversations? Right, There's a lot of really good stuff out there to, to learn on that. Income, stability, value, savings, all these things. There's a ton of really good... If you want to read a Dave Ramsey book, read a Dave Ramsey book, y'all. I read a, I've got about every single one of them on my, on my shelf and it's okay. It's okay. But um, Ali, Jody, thank you so much for taking time. Um, y'all go subscribe to their, their podcast, The Great Teacher Resignation. It's fantastic. You might catch uh, an episode or two of me on there with them. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, thank Xavier. you. Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor not affiliated with the Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated.